You see, in life, we live and we die. The importance is what we do when we're alive in the middle. You see, life starts at birth and life ends at death to some. Now, whether you're faith-based or not, I myself believe that when we die here, our spirit will either go to heaven or hell. Hopefully, at the end of my life, I go to heaven. But the one thing that that I want to talk about to make is making it count. Making today count. You see, the thing is, is we wake up and it's Friday. Everybody wakes up with, thank God it's Friday. The weekend's coming. I'm, I'm going to go I'm gonna go have some beers with, with my boys tonight or my girls. You know, we're going to watch some football tomorrow or the weekend. And, and, and we live for that. It's so accustomed that on social media, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Snapchat, TikTok, whatever you have it. It's, you know, tomorrow being Friday, you will see so many, oh, here's to the, here's the weekend, here's to this, here's to that. But is that really the only thing you're working for? You just work to live life on the weekends? Yeah, I understand you have to have discipline and you have to have priorities, but why aren't you living your life every single day? You have to ask yourself those questions because that's what I mean. What do we do in the middle after we're born, we grow up. But what do we do in those times that we're alive? Are we making it count? When they put me in the box and they put me in the ground, I want people to be able to say, you know what? He made it count. I want to be able on my deathbed to look back knowing that I made it count. I made every day of my life count. When I made the decision to start to live, I really believe when you stop caring what people think and you stop becoming afraid to fail, that is truly when life begins. That is truly when happiness and joyfulness begins. It's not all fucking sunsets, rainbows, everybody doing the happy dance. You're not always going to have money in your bank account. There's going to be times where, quite frankly, you might not have any money, period, not even a dollar. But it's what we do in those times that matter. So I said this to somebody the other day, and I'll say it again now. So if you have two people, you have Tom and Brian, two names picked out, no specific reason, just felt like using those names. Tom is the operations manager, director of operations. Tom makes $150,000 a year. His his wife is a registered nurse. She makes $90,000 a year. You know, so the, so combined income, you know, they're making almost $300,000 a year. They live in a big house, okay? They got a big house. They got a big payment. They got, Tom drives a brand new Dodge, you know, 1500 whatever, you know, limited. And, and his wife has, has a brand new uh, Chevy Tahoe. You know, his kids have this four-wheeler, this side-by-side. Everything they have is on credit. They have credit cards, you know, but every week payments are coming out of their bank account. Payments, 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 payments. They got the big house, but deep down, they can't really even afford to heat the son of a bitch. Deep down, they can't really even afford to put furniture in it. Deep down, he can't really afford the truck that he's driving because he's trying to appease people. And now 
That's Tom. You have Brian. Brian's a welder. He works 11 to 7, Monday through Friday. Five, eight-hour days. He makes $50,000 a year. Okay? He goes in. He punches the clock. Comes out. Punches the clock. He goes home. He spends time. You know, his wife doesn't work. She's a stay-at-home mom. He's the only income in the house. You know, Brian drives a 2015 Ford Taurus to work. You know, the, the family has a, a Ford Explorer. It's, it's a 2016. You know, but, you know, and they live in a double wide. But they live within their means. They're able to go on vacations here. They're able to buy, do this and that. There's fun. There's joy. If Brian misses a day of work, you know, he's got a little bit of cushion to where he's not, not panicking. If Brian gets fired, you know, he's, he's not, you know, yo, I got to work. I got bills to pay. But Brian thinks that he's not good enough. Brian thinks his life's shitty. He thinks I don't make enough money. I want this. I want that. Because the lifestyle Brian has... Because what we, and when I say we, we as individuals, everybody, say, well, he lives in a trailer, so he probably shops at Walmart. He, they probably eat at McDonald's and Burger King. But realistically, Brian's happier, less stressed than Tom. Fuck, he might even have more money than Tom, actually. Longevity equity. Longevity wealth. You see... Who has the better life? Ask yourself that question. Who has the better life? Set number Rule number one in life is this. Live your life the way you want to live it. Not the way people want you to live it or people, quote unquote, make it as how you should live it. You see, so... Um, natural nowadays with, with the social media to the Snapchats eating here today. Look at this new truck. Here, look at this new boat. Look, look at my toys. Look at me. Look at this lifestyle. We've got to have the big house. We've got to have a new vehicle every year. We've got to. We, that, that's, the, that's the motto. Now, granted, I'm not knocking anybody that's able to do that. I'm not. I'm not some bitter asshole. I'm not. Good for you. Now, granted, though, but are you doing it because you want to? Or are you doing it because you need to? Because the people you associate with, well, they get a new car every year. We got to get a new car every year. They got a 3,500 square, square foot home. I'm going to have a 4,500 square foot home. It's called keeping up with the Joneses, as my grandmother used to say. And she used to tell me, Aiden, don't play that game. You live within your means. And living within your means, having a little extra is better than being broke all the time because of payments, because you're trying to appease people. That's where our society has gone wrong. Now, granted, I know everybody's in the fucking media these days. Nobody wants to work. Welfare, son of a bitch. You know, food stamp motherfuckers. No, you know, granted, hey, get it understand it there's a shortage of labor in the united states but people are just now realizing it just now realizing it there's always been a shortage of labor in the united states 
for the past 10 years. I don't care what industry you're in or not. But I don't want to get off topic here, ladies and gentlemen. I don't. What I'm saying is, is when you live within your means, you live within your means. To live within your means, you have to have an income. I know poor people that are happy. They live month to month on Social Security. Some of it's retirement. Some of it might be disability. Okay? That's the lifestyle that, that they have to live that, that they're in. Some, they did it to themselves. Others, things happen. And unfortunately, that's the way that it is. So now, everybody in America, and I'm guilty of it at times. I've done it. We judge people that get help. We do. We, we do. We naturally judge people that get help. Do you know this statistic that 75% of fucking people that need help are ashamed and embarrassed to go get it? They're ashamed and embarrassed to ask for it because they're worried what their friends are going to say. They're worried about what the next door neighbor is going to think. Because we, as people, have built this platform of how we should live our lives. We have. We, we built this platform. Well, if you make this much a year, you, you should have this, this, and this. If you make this, this, and this, you should have this, this, and this. We, we have. We, we've done it. We've done it. It's a stereotype. We have created a stereotype about people and their financial goal, not their goals, their financial situation. It's stereotype. So if I tell you I make $30,000 a year, most people are going to say, motherfucker lives in a trailer, driving a Ford fucking Tempo, probably on food stamps and welfare. He don't probably even want to work. You will get that response from most people. You will get that response from most people. So, but hey, I make I make a hundred thousand dollars a year. I bet you he got a big ass house. I bet you he got nice cars. I mean, I hear it all the time. Whenever I was promoted, and I you, you become a ball, you become a leader. And as you continue to move up the chain on uh, in, in the in the leadership, you know the the rankings, you go out, you talk to guys, and you know they they ask for for something. What what maybe it's hey man, how about you buy some pizza today and this and that, you know oh you know you can buy it you know you got look at the money you're making oh my God you're you're that you're this you're that now why do they say that? Why do they say that? Doesn't matter what industry you're in, why would people say that? Because the stereotype. It's the stereotype. It's the image. An image is a fucking, well, this is the image that we think you would be. So, boom, image equals stereotype. If you have an image of people and how people and things are supposed to, quote unquote, you think be, that is a stereotype. Okay? I'm going to go and. That's like saying somebody that's black American, not you know, born in the United States, black, that automatically has to have gold chains, they got to have a grill, they have to listen to rap music, and they got to have four or five baby mamas, and, and, and talk inappropriately and, and things like that. That's a stereotype. Because you see me walking down the street, my hat's turned backwards, my pants are a little baggy. Okay, 
you're you're driving by me. You're 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 driving by. You're in your car and you look and you're like, you stop and you look. Your mind tells you that mother, you know, he he's a dope boy or or he ain't got no job. He got four or five baby mamas. Blah 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 blah. But how do you not know that that guy is the CEO of his own company that he started from the ground and he's doing. $50 million in revenue sales a year. $50 million in revenue sales a year. Okay? How do you know that? You don't. We, as people, have, like I said, have built stereotypes. We have had images and we build stereotypes. <coughs> you meet a lawyer, somebody tells you you're a lawyer, and you say, here's the address to my house, and you've never been there. And, you, you know, in your mind, you're thinking, man, when we pull up, I'm imagining it's going to be a big brick house, nice, fresh grass, maybe a gated community. Maybe you pull up and it's a two bedroom, one bath house, maybe young guy or, or woman, single, don't have no kids, not married yet. That maybe it costs thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000, maybe even costs less than that. They bought it and they fixed it up. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa wow, most people. The reason I'm speaking on this is I was asked to come and speak and give advice and give direction in life. I'm going to tell you this. In my life, I had a lot, speaking of, of stereotypes, stereotypes. So we're rolling into the stereotype. What's the stereotype of a junkie? So when somebody says junkie, drug addict, you think what you think. Somebody don't work, fucking living on welfare, uh, high all day long, stealing, robbing, stabbing, killing for the fix. That is some. There are some addicts out there that have done that or will do that. It's the inedible. But what about the guy that wakes up every day, he goes to work, goes home, he's got a family. What about him? But when before he goes to work, he does two Percocets because two Percocets, they're, they're 10, so it's 20 milligrams. 20 milligrams of Percocets will get him through an eight-hour shift or 10-hour shift. And then as soon as he gets home, his routine is as soon as he leaves work, he's got to go <clears throat> straight home. Excuse me, because he needs his craving fix. And let's say he goes home and he and he crushes four of them up. So now he's got 40 milligrams. Okay? And and or or maybe it's it's coke that they're into. So maybe they do a little bump at, at six o'clock in the morning. By the time it's wearing off, they're at work, they're 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 able to function, they leave work, maybe they keep it in their car. As soon as they come out of work, nobody rides with them, they cut a big line out, up their nose they go, they're feeling great, they're good, they go home, they mow their grass, they spend time with their kids. They they shower, they go to bed, they wake back up the next day and do it again. I'm gonna tell each and every single one of you here right now, there is functioning addicts out there. Okay? Addiction. First of all, as I know, as we kind of spin around here in different things, addiction is anything. Addiction is a lot of things, okay? A lot of people don't want to admit that because of denial 
or they have a problem. I will tell you this. My name is Aiden Leonard. And yes, I was a drug addict at one time. I was in my life. I was. I was addicted to opiates. I was addicted to heroin. But you know what? And I was addicted to alcohol. <laughs> Key word there, alcohol. So back to addiction. Addiction is anything. Anything that drives our mind to have a want or desire to get. We have to have it. There's a difference right between wants and needs. And addiction is a need. It's a want. I mean, not a need. It's a, but we tell ourselves we need it. But really, we don't. We just want it. That's the difference. So, Tom, I'd like to use the name Tom. Tom goes to work every day. But as soon as Tom's done, $150,000 a year job, big house, big this. As soon as Tom is done with work, he's fucking at the bar buying Buying a six-pack, he's got a half-hour ride. Guess what? He's cracking one open, dumping it in his Yeti. He's drinking one on the way, maybe sometimes two or three. He gets home. He has a couple more. He, You know, after dinner, he has a couple more. Next thing you know, he's got a good buzz. He's feeling good. Next thing you know, he starts doing some shots of whiskey. Wakes back up in the morning. He's got a – he's shaking. He slams a – he slams – he slams two shots of Jack, and, and, and he's got an hour before he's got to leave to work. So he goes, he showers, he does whatever he needs to do to get ready to go to work. But those two shots are in. He goes, he works, and he does a great job at work. He's focused, he's there, he's grinding, he's, he's making the company money, but he needs that He needs that alcohol, he needs that drink, he needs it. In his mind all day long, he's craving it. How good it's going to taste. How good it's going to taste. So, but you have Brian doesn't have a job. He's living on unemployment because, you know, he, he got laid off for, for whatever reason. And Brian is addicted to Oxycontin. So every every morning when Brian wakes up, he, he takes two Oxycontin, 20, 30 milligrams to the head. He crushes them up and snorts them in the morning. Okay. Now, he's not working. Tom is. So at 5 o'clock, 5.30 in the afternoon, Tom's going to the, the, to, to the bar to get the six-pack to drive home. Brian's going up the street to meet the dope dealer to get some oxys. Now, I'm going to ask each and every single one of you there. Who, in that situation, is wrong? What's the difference? I should say. There is no difference. Yeah, Tom can go into the bar and buy the six-pack. He's, uh, you know, he's of age. That's not illegal. But when Tom opens it up, puts the key in the car, starts the car, that's illegal. Brian going to meet the dope dealer, buying prescription pain pills... Not without without a prescription, that is illegal too. So there's two illegal acts right there combined. Two different people. Now, in America, the United States, because I've never lived in another country, Tom is accepted. That's okay. It's okay. Tom is okay. Fucking, he's drinking some beer, driving home from work. 
He got a hard job. That's okay. But Brian, no, that junkie motherfucker ain't no fucking good. We don't want him around. But really, what people don't understand, they're both wrong. They both have a problem. They both do. But because drinking beer is in, and alcohol is accepted in the United States once you're 21, in which, hey, it is. Granted, there's nothing wrong with having a couple of beers, having a couple, you know, cocktails. Nothing wrong with that, okay? But it's how you handle it. There is something wrong when you got the 12-pack in the car, you're driving down the road, and, and the 12-pack, you're on the second 12-pack, and, and there's empty cans on the floor. But Brian goes, he gets his pills, he goes home, he, he snorts a couple of them, you know, he's starting to get sick, so he's starting to feel good. He gets his kids off the bus. He makes them something to eat. He helps them with their homework. He's functioning here. You know, he's functioning here now. You know, his head's not, you know. Tom, he goes home, and he beats the hell out of his wife. He beats his kids. Most alcoholics, percentage-wise here, you guys know that I'm just big fan of statistics. Not really. But I will say most alcoholics, most alcoholics have a tendency to be abusive. Anger. You get that, that rage, that, 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 that alcohol gets them. And they go from 5'8", 160 to 6'4", 320. So Brian, he, he does his kid, girl's homework. Boy, girl, I don't know what he, you know. And he, then he baths them and he, you know, they're watching TV, puts them to bed. He gets them in bed. He goes into his bedroom, he does a couple more oxys, sets the alarms, goes to sleep, wakes back up the next morning, and he's going to do the same thing. So is Tom. So who has more of a problem here? What we have to understand as, as people, and as young people, what I'm trying to let you understand is that they're both wrong. Okay, they are. And, and I know when, when people hear me talk, you know, and I've started to do this, you know, they, they get upset at me because, you know, well, we've seen you with, you know, beer in your hand. Yes, you're absolutely right. But I couldn't handle it five, six years ago, okay? Alcohol, I don't care what anybody, people say, addict to a non-addict, recovering to a non-recovering. I'm going to tell you that alcohol, it's the gateway. It's, it's what gets it started. What do most 16 through 18-year-old kids do that live, live in rural towns? Hell, it's accepted when you live out in the country, the 16, to go into the woods and build a campfire, get somebody, the town drunk, to buy you and your buddies a case of beer and go in the woods and drink your beer. That is accepted. But if you're 16 and you go meet the local dope dealer and you buy... You know, 20, 30 oxys off of them, or, you know, a gram of cocaine, uh, a gram of methamphetamines, Adderall, whatever it is, whatever your drug of choice is, that's not accepted. But one is and one isn't. At the end of the day, they're both wrong and you shouldn't do it. Listen, there's, and, and that's the truth. I'm not saying you shouldn't go out to a bar and, and have a couple drinks when you're 21. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, okay? There's nothing wrong with that, ever. But don't go to that bar, have a couple drinks, and then drive home. But when you got to drink alcohol every day because your body is craving it, and you've got to satisfy that craving, there's a problem there. 
There is. When I talk about it, people think, oh, hypocrite, this and that. No, because I know from experience. And I don't want you you kids here to make the same mistakes that I did. I sat in the very same seats that you guys did 12 years ago, 13 years ago, even longer than that, junior high, hearing people come in and tell their story. And, and I thought, this guy's out of his fight. He's out of his mind. There's nothing wrong with drinking beer with my, my football. My, my, you know, I'm a football player. There ain't nothing wrong with me. I play football. There ain't nothing wrong with me drinking some beer in the offseason over a fire, you know, with my buddies. There ain't nothing wrong with that. What the hell is this guy's problem? We ain't on heroin. We ain't smoking crack. We're not this. We're not that. And you're right. I wasn't. You're right. I wasn't at the time. Absolutely. 100%. No. But you know what? There came a time where I was sufficed. I gave in. And I became that guy walking up the street to buy the oxys. I wasn't the guy buying the beer. I was buying the oxys because I wanted the oxys. Because the oxys were doing more than the alcohol was. Because you get to a point, where, especially when you're paying and you're really buried, you get to a point and, and you're tired of having to drink and, and piss so much. When somebody says, take one of these pills, swallow it. I'm telling you, dude, in 10 minutes you will feel just as good as he does, if not better. And then... It goes from eating the pills to now you've built up a tolerance. Hey, why don't you crush them up and snort it? Take it right to the head, man. Instead of waiting 15, 20 minutes, give this here about three to five. If that. If that. Okay, take it right to the head. <clears throat> or you're, you're, you're in a bar room. You're, you're, you know, you, you, get, you got a girl there with you and, and you're, you're, you're impressing her and you're, you're partying. And next thing you know, you, you see... You see homeboy dude, he's he's going to the bathroom two, three times every five, ten minutes, and somebody's like, hey, wipes her nose. Homeboy there got some white, man. He got some powder, man. You're you're partying, you're having a good time. You're with your boys, and next thing you know, you're giving him a hundred dollar bill in the bathroom of the of the bar. And you go out back with your buddies and you snort it and your heart starts beating and you're whoo, you're you're having fun. But the high ends, the high ends, you go from up to down or from down to up, whatever your drug of choice is. And then you're right back to where you started, but less money. And then doing it for fun turns into doing it to keep yourself well. So you're not going to the bathroom in your pants. So you're not puking at work. So you're able to function. There's not, there's more non-functioning addicts than there is functioning addicts. There, there is. That, that is a hundred percent true. There, there, there is. But there are functioning addicts, and and functioning addicts are the are the hard ones to to tell, because they function. You would never, oh, we never know. Oh no. Look, Tommy there, he 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 comes to work every day. He comes to work every day. He don't bother nobody. So why he likes to drink a couple beers after work? He's just driving down the back road. There ain't nothing wrong with that. But why did Tom get there? Maybe Tom made mistakes in his life and he has some regret. And he doesn't know how to deal with the regret. Maybe Tom lost somebody. Maybe he lost his mom or his dad. Lost somebody close to him. And, and they, you know, he felt that they were taken too soon. Maybe he watched somebody die in front of his eyes. Maybe he was in the military. 
Now, granted, it, it's a little abnormal, I guess, to walk up to somebody and really ask them, how are you doing today? Is there anything that I can do to help you? You know, hey, if you need to talk about something, I'm a complete stranger, but I'll listen. I get if we walk up to people with that approach, a lot of people look at us like they're crazy. What the hell's wrong with this guy? He's asking me if I, if I need to talk to him about something. I think that's the other way around. But that's where we as individuals make those mistakes. Now, granted, you're going to hear people say that I don't know what I'm talking about. Shut the hell up. I'm just another junkie wanting sympathy. No, I'm not wanting sympathy from anybody. I made the mistakes that I made. I didn't have to make those mistakes, but I did, and I learned a lot of lessons. I learned a lot of good lessons, though, about life. And then you have Brian. Maybe Brian actually, he got hurt at work, and he starts going to the doctor. The doctor's prescribing pills. You build up a tolerance. You build up an addiction. I, I don't care what anybody says. If you take prescription pain pills, Percocet, Hydrocodone, you know, they're not, they're addicting. <laughs> Very. But when you start to get into oxycodone, okay, and you're prescribed oxycodone, let's say for six months to a year, I guarantee you this. I guarantee you this. If your doctor takes you off, he's not going to take you off a of turkey unless you test, you know, you don't, you don't have the drugs in your system, whatever. But if you do, you, you know, you test positive for the oxycodone, as you should because you're being prescribed them, and say you're getting 90 a month, he ain't going to take you from 90 to zero because you will die. People look at me and think, yeah, oh, you can, no, I'm telling you, you will be sick. You will have accidents. You will projectile vomit. You will have cold sweats. You will shake. If you are an alcoholic and you start and you say, I'm not drinking tomorrow, and you wake up on a Tuesday, and you're, you're going to go, and, and your body's used to drinking, you're going to start shaking, you can actually have a seizure. Alcohol, you can die from alcohol withdrawal. It's a true statement. That, that's not me pulling a statistic out of my rear end. That is a true statistic. <laughs> the thing that I want to do is I want to tell you my story, and... And I hope that it leads you to not make the mistakes that I made. Because when you're in the bit, you know, the reason I wanted to tell my story is I'm a small town kid from Pennsylvania just like you are. I played high school, I played high school sports, and I was pretty damn good. And I lived in a small town where everybody knew me. And the better I got at sports, the better I could do other things, the more I got away with things. I got a free pass in a lot of things in school being a teenager or adolescent because of who I was and, the, and what I did on a football field. That is true. So you, I was addicted to playing high school football. That was an addiction for me. That was a rush for me. The notoriety. I'm a competitive person. The thrill of winning. You know, I loved it and I was good at it and I worked very, very hard. I worked very, very hard. I would just set some unrealistic expectations for myself at that age. I thought that I would always play football. I would go to college and play. And then possibly the Canadian Football League or the NFL or playing in Europe. I thought that I would play football for the rest of my life. But I didn't realize that those chances were slim to none. Now, granted, when football was done for me and it was over, sports were actually over, I felt like I had lost a part of myself. I lost a part of my identity. 
and I get out of high school. I don't have a job. I got a job at a shoe factory, and I'm working, and I was supposed to be in college. I was supposed to be in college. This isn't me. Why am I here? Why? I'm asking these questions to myself. I'm going back to the local to local school that, that helped coach, but I should be, I want to be back in high school, and I do this, and I want to do that. And next thing you know, I start working, and I start getting around people that are smoking marijuana, recreational. They're eating Oxycontin, Percocets, recreational. And it's peer pressure. Everybody says, I'm going to say no when we're talking like this. But I'm going to tell you the truth. Your mom and dad might not like to hear it, but it's the truth. If you give me a room of 10 people, just 10 people, and I get those 10 people and I pull out some, some Percocets or Oxycontins, and I say, hey, man, you want to you snort this with me? We're dead straight sober. If those 10 people are, are against it, they're going to say no. Absolutely. But now, let's let them get four or five beers or four or five cocktails that are mixed really strong. Let's let them get into that. Let's really start loosening it up, loosening them up, getting them in the mood where their mind is starting to feel good, their body is starting to feel good. They're starting to get that B-U-Z-Z going, that buzz. Then pull those pills out and say, hey, you want to do this? Pull a pipe out of marijuana. Marijuana's harmful, right? Marijuana's, I know a lot of people that smoke marijuana. I get it, man. I get it. But I know a lot of people that s smoke marijuana and it led to other stuff. But back to the thing is pull out those pills when somebody's got a buzz. Or maybe you wait until they're literally drunk off their rear end, out of their mind. You know they're they're they, they, you know one guy's talking about he's got a wife, but yet he's over here talking to this girl and he ain't got no wife, he ain't got no kids, things like that. People start to change, the mood starts to change. People's values, people's wants and needs are very different. And the reason I bring this up is this is how most people get into it. Most. Other people start because I'm in, you know, other areas. But I'm saying. So then, Tom snorts his first oxy when he's drunk. I'm going to tell you this. People don't do drugs because it feels bad. Okay? People don't do drugs because it feels bad. I mean, they're pain that they have feels bad. But the actual drug makes them feel good. That's, okay? So you snort, you know, Tom snorts an Oxycontin, you know, let's say it's five milligram. He's never done anything like that. He is now really feeling good. He's got different chemicals working, different parts in his brain, different things. He's feeling different. And let's say he loves that feeling. Boom. Loves, loves that feeling. Once it again, hey man, let's do another one of them. And here's, here's a couple dollars. So... And then Tom is now, well, yeah, I snorted a couple pills the other weekend, but I don't have a problem. I did like two pills. I'm not addicted. 
So now he's got that built-in excuse, and I was drunk. It's okay. So say he gets drunk a month later. Same thing happens. A couple weeks later, same thing happens. Now the excuse is, well, I do like to do my pills when I get to boozing, or, or, or whatever, whatever it is. Coke, heroin, whatever it is. So now he has that excuse built in that it's okay to do it when you're drunk. <clears throat> so then he will do it for the first time, he or she for the first time eventually when they're sober. And then that's when it's going to start. You're going to see those trends. Okay? Now, it's up to them on how they want to function. Some people, they, they can function, and next thing you know, you start, they're borrowing money, they're, they're this, they're that. Drug habits, when somebody first starts being an addict, are cheap. Okay? They are. At first, you know, the first time you, you, you buy drugs for yourself, okay? Hopefully you're not, I guess, buying them for somebody else. But the first time you would purchase, say, cocaine, heroin, pills for yourself. It's the first time you're going to do it. Now, most, it's going to be a small amount. You know, maybe maybe homeboy or, or homegirl's got a couple couple bags, man, and they're they're, they're little bags of ten ten of they're ten a piece. Sorry, man, they're thirty bucks, man. Give me three of them, and this will last me all week. <laughs> you take that thirty, and that thirty's gonna turn into sixty. Sixty's gonna go to ninety. Ninety's gonna go to one twenty. On and on and on and on and on. And then when they're they say they get fired from their job. They fail a piss test. They, they got to tell their loved ones. Or maybe they get caught in the act. You know, somebody finds it on them. What, whatever it is. And that's when everybody says, if only we would have known. If only we would have known. If only we would have known. If only we would have done this. If only we would have done that. Now, I get it. When you turn 18 years old, whether you're a boy or girl in this country, you're an adult. You're free to do whatever you want and please. Nobody has to be responsible for you. You are now responsible for yourself. And, and the truth is, is people don't give a fuck about anybody else but themselves. And if you are told that you care about somebody else, you're called a pussy, you're called a pansy, you're a softie. You, you, you know, you're, you're too nice. I genuinely care about people. I genuinely want people to be happy. I don't want people, you know. But that's the majority. So, majority is, as if only we would have known. But now, everybody says this. Don't let have known. Fuck him. F her. You know, not not like that. I shouldn't have said the F word. And then, you know, but hey, throw their ass in jail. They need to die. They need to do this. They need to do that. But you know what I find funny? Do you know what I find really fascinating? The person that says that, let his daughter, her daughter, son, son-in-law, Niece, nephew, let somebody that is close to them, that they care about, majority, let them find out that, oh my God, their daughter Sarah is now in their bathroom shooting heroin. And she's got track marks all up over her arms. But now, two, three years ago, there was a guy in town talking about this. And, you know, he said, if it was my kid, she'd be out on the streets. She, they, they could die, just kill them. They ought to line them junkies up and just shoot them. I've heard it. We've all heard it, right? But you let it be somebody they know. Let it be somebody they care about. Oh, my God. we got to get them help. They'll dump the money into them. They will, right? Because they care about them. 
That's their daughter. That's their son. That's something that they care about. But they don't give a fuck about this guy over here. That's the problem. That's the problem with addiction. Okay? The problem with addiction is, is people don't... It, listen, it exists. It exists more than what you think. It exists in more houses than what you think. And I'm telling you this. There's addiction to sex. Drugs. Al alcohol is a drug. Pornography. Money. Shopping. Gambling. There's a... There's addictions. No, there's anything. Hell, I'm addicted to football. But that's a good addiction. Drugs, that's a bad addiction. But it's the truth. When somebody they know or care about finds out that they're on drugs, they may want to save and then they want to help. But they don't care about the random stranger. <coughs> and they, don't, they don't care. And, and granted, I'm not here to make you care about somebody you don't know. I'm not, I'm not here for that. I, I understand that. But in order to stop the spread, we have to understand the why. If, if, if you understand drugs and why people do drugs, maybe you'll understand why it's such an epidemic. You know, the pandemic happened, you know, I have to say we're on, you know, year, full year number two of, you know, the, the pandemic. And yet we have millions of people overdosing every day. We, we, you know, we have people every day that are overdosed and dying. Somebody's daughter, son, niece, nephew. And, and, and what are we doing? And, and I know that people come at me and, and people post it on, on social media. And, and I don't try, I'm, I'm controversial. I don't try to be, but I guess I just am. One of the things that bothers me is when people, you know, listen, you don't compare an, an addict to somebody with, with, with cancer. Totally two different things. And yes, cancer is a disease. A hundred percent. Absolutely. And, and I feel sorry for anybody that has cancer. I do. And I'm not here to say, you know, fuck them. You know, no, because they need love. They need help. They need support too. <clears throat> but addiction, people say it's a choice. It's not a disease. Addiction is a choice. It is a choice, but then it does become a disease. Okay, it, it, it does. And, and and I'm not a licensed psychiatrist. I'm not a licensed doctor. I'm just myself. But how do I know so much? Because I've been there, done that, and then some too. In my opinion, it becomes a disease because Diseases hurt people. Diseases kill people. Diseases tear families apart. Disease it, so your brain, how, how your brain works. If somebody is addicted to methamphetamine because of the chemicals that they're doing and what's in meth, you know, they, they call them the, the tweakers. Um, you know, I know people that will have lifelong effects from being addicted to, to methamphetamine. I, I know people that their mind there is gone. It's gone. There's a lot of psychological issues now that they have. And that's a disease. That is. But this disease is started by choice. Okay? And I say that loudly. This disease is started by choice. And everybody has the right to disagree with me. I like conversation. 
I tell everybody this, well, since I've been speaking, is, hey, if anybody disagrees with me, that's great. I, I'm not, I don't have a problem with that. If you would even like, you can come and sit down with me. i got a podcast. And we can have a calm, adult conversation and agree to disagree. Because conversation and difference of opinions is how we learn. <clears throat> but before I close here tonight, talking to you, I want to let you know that, that this disease is started by choice. In our life, we have choices to make. Most of the time, it's A or B. You know, and and I like these these tests in, in school that you get, or even after school, I've, I've taken tests to get certifications and things, and it's like you've got six or seven choices. Well, in life, when life tests you, you've got two choices, A or B, and that's the truth. You've got A or B. And what's it going to be? Sometimes the choice burdens. It burdens. And it might kill you. Might kill you. Might not. But it starts as a choice. And to make the right choices, you've got to understand the why. You don't want to do you don't want to become a drug addict. You don't want to tear your family apart. You don't want to tear your body apart. And you don't want to ruin opportunities for yourself. <clears throat> you know, we've and, and and one of the reasons why I, I say that <clears throat> is when you become an addict in this country, they'll forgive you know, they're a lot more forgiving for stealing. They 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 are. They're a lot you know, more forgiven for high-speed chases, people. But you become an addict, it's like a black mark on your life for the rest of your life. You know, I openly talk about my addiction and my struggles. I was never caught by the police. I don't have any criminal charges against me for drug-related offenses. I don't. But most of the time, drug addicts get possession charges they don't sell, and if they are selling, it ain't much because they're selling to get their fix. And that's the truth. These people that are big, big time drug dealers that like the, they they make movies about and documentary. Yeah, most of those people they're they're not addicts, man, ladies and gentlemen, they're not. An addict can't be a slinger because you're feeding your addiction. <clears throat> so. We talk about we talk about choices and decisions and understanding. Understanding what addiction does, tearing it apart, and understanding that that we can be involved in so much more. Yeah. You know, ga- gambling's an addiction. I talk about drug addiction because that's what I can relate to. But. You can have a gambling habit in this country and be accepted. But if you have a drug addiction, you're a no good for nothing piece of shit. If you go and you blow your whole paycheck on Hello? Oxys, you're no good. You're a piece of shit. Not, but if you blow your whole paycheck at the fucking casino, oh, he just having fun. Yeah, I'm here. She just having fun. The stereotypes, oh, what you have to deal with. Yeah. Train your mind if you want to be successful in your life. Say no. 
but 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 don't don't say no now. Don't don't train your mind to say no now in these times. Train your mind to say no in the times where you might not have it all together. When you, when you go out to the bar and you, you guys are 21 or, or you're at a party, underage drinking's going on, and somebody comes up to you and says, hey, I got some pills. Number one, you don't even know what the pills are. I mean, they, they could be giving you aspirin for, for all you know. But somebody comes up and they give you a, a pill and they tell you it's a Percocet and it's, it's an ecstasy. And it, whatever it may be. Train your mind to say no then. Train your mind to stick to your values then and your wants and your desires. If you want to be successful in life, I'm telling you, yeah. don't go down the drug addiction road. It's hard. It's a hard road. It took me a long way to get back. A long time to get back. And I'm standing here tonight, but I'm telling you, seven, eight years ago, I was living in that. Train your mind train your body to say no <clears throat> but we, we've got to talk about it to understand it and, and being able to under understand it is how we help one of the things that I want to do with with my mission and the never broken podcast and and teaming up with people is is helping addicts get back on their feet helping people recover and getting back on their feet. You don't judge the book by its cover. You get to know the people. There's a person in there deep down. There is. Love one another. Be kind to one another. Because if that was your son or daughter. Or you. Or your mom or your dad. How would you feel? It's always easy to point the finger. It's so, so very easy to point the finger. And say look at this person. Look at that person. Very very easy. It's harder to look in the mirror and reflect on ourselves and say, this is me, I have a problem. And if you do have a problem, ask for help. And in the world, the society that we live in now, I understand how it's hard to want to come out and talk about something like that because of being ridiculed and judged and how you are. You know, but I'm telling you, don't let that stop you. Don't let any ass, don't let any asshole that says shoot junkies they ain't no good stop you if you have a problem from getting help because your life does mean something and your life is valuable take care of yourself love one another be kind to one another but if you know somebody that's suffering you know somebody that's living in a hell and you know that they're they're putting drugs in their body they're, or they're drinking to hide the pain they're doing it to, to suffice that pain Please reach out to me. Reach out to somebody. I'm not a Lord. I'm not Lord Jesus Christ. I know that. I'm not going to change everybody in this world. But if I help some one person, just one person, then I've done something special. I hope tonight you understood the difference between a lot of things about stereotypes, peer pressure stereotypes. Go con, con one of the common factors with with addiction. One of the common factors about addiction is stereotypes. What you have in your mind, what you visualize. Functioning addict versus non-functioning addict. Alcoholic versus opiate addict. Heroin addict versus alcoholic. Meth, you know, whatever. Understanding the differences 
The only the difference is is an addict is an addict. And it doesn't matter what they're, you know, drug addict's a drug addict. An alcoholic is a drug addict. Okay? It's just a lot. There's there's a lot. You know, believe this or not, there's more alcoholics out there than there is drug addicts. Because alcohol, it's legal, number one, and it's okay to do. It's okay to do. I hope that you you find this well and you were able to learn some things and and maybe there's some things that you agree with and some things that you disagree with. But understanding, putting yourself in somebody's shoes. You know, before I close here, when I was... When I became the person that I didn't want to become... Some of the lessons that that I was taught was an addict cared more about, treated me better than my own family. A person that's struggling and and, and fighting these demons that, that you are understands where you're coming from. I've seen it where families turn their back. And, and an addict will clothe, feed, house. Did that for me. An addict showed me love when nobody else would. And, and people talk about these, these these addicts like they're disposable waste. But you're starving. I guarantee it, an addict would feed you if he had it. He or she had it. I guarantee it. Because they've been there. They know what it's like. One thing about being an addict that teaches you is it teaches you how to look at the world a little bit differently. And understand and appreciate the things that we have. And being kind to people. It really does. It really does. Or, or maybe that was just me. And that, that's how I try to live my life. Being good to people. Doing good. Because I've been there. And if you've never been there, don't point the finger. Don't judge. Because somebody you know could be there very soon. And there's people out there that think that, hey, that's not going to happen to me. This, this, and this. I'm telling you. I was mentally tough, mentally strong. And I sufficed. I, I became an addict, man. I did. Take care of yourself. With love.